Hi, this is Ronnie Ann Ryan, intuitive coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now, on with the show! In this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I'm speaking with Taver Lee. She is a priestess of the wild, creating bold spaces to evolve our voices and consciousness. She walks with the blood of Athena in her veins, a conduit between the underworld and the cosmos, and she's here to guide your soul work. As a high priestess, ritualist, initiate of the sacred ways, initiate of the Eleusian rites, and a practitioner of the tenets of the Celtic mysteries, continually redefining what it means to be a warrior, a woman, a healer, and a witch. I love this. Welcome, Taverly. Thanks for having me, Ronnie. I'm so excited to be here with you. Me too. So the first thing I want to know, because I've been a fan of magic for a long time, but I really, I'm not a practitioner, so to speak. I don't really do spells. And I didn't even know I was doing magic until I worked with a magic coach and she was like, oh, that's magic. And then I'd say, blah, blah, she goes, oh, that's magic. <laughs> and so <laughs> I discovered that I'd been doing charms and writing little songs and doing all these things. I'm like, oh, it must be leftover, you know, from another life. It just came through that way. So, so tell me how you got started with magic. Interesting question. I would say that I consciously started utilizing the tools I had available to me to shift my reality probably seven to 10 years ago. Although, like you said, most of us are using magic every day without even realizing it. It's an unconscious act that we have. And when you start tapping into you know, energy fields or intentions in any way, shape or form, you are creating an alter or altering the reality the way that it currently is. And so it's only the difference between whether you're intending to do it or not. But I know that as a seer, I've been using magic since I was a, a child. Like I, for me, it has been natural for me. The terms to give it definition came later in life. <laughs> I know this might be off topic, but I'm curious If you've been doing this for seven to 10 years, how did you get such a massive following? Mm, You mean social media and business wise? Yeah. Yeah. I think that we are living at a time where people are waking up in my experience. and, And you just asked about practicing magic, not necessarily like my spiritual path. So I would say that to me, we are, and a lot of spiritual teachers, and I'm sure yourself, I mean, we know that the denseness of the energy on our planet is changing right now. Like we are becoming less dense. We're releasing a lot of things, which means a lot of people are moving away from traditional religion, but still seeking God, still seeking that oneness, that wholeness, that vibrational feeling of what's possible in their soul. And so we're just at a time where people desire to experience something more than just the box and the cages that we've been put in to live. And if there's anything like a pandemic to come in the middle of that and rip away everything people think is real, which we realize it's not, this purpose-seeking initiative across the planet is to me very tied to the improvement of the level of density. And so people are interested. It's interesting, I get asked often, like, do you have any people that are like, do you have haters? 
readers? Do you have people that have anything to say about you reclaiming the word witch? And I'm like, no, actually, no, no, because to me, the way that I deliver content is as, as much as I can as often as I can in as many places as I can, because I know that transformation is possible for others. And so if I can be a bridge for that, even just on something like social media, then I do my best. Fantastic. So something about how you stand in your power and why you attract what you attract. So I, mm-hmm. that's pretty spectacular. Talk to me about Elusian rights. I, yes. I, I have to tell you, I looked it up and I know it's uh, something Greek, but fill me in. In this, I know it's a, a weird word, but it's actually pronounced the Eleusinian rites. Okay, um, thanks. I can take a long story and make it short for you on how this happened. Okay. And it's a really funny story, so Good. be prepared. So I had a calling, like a channeled message a couple of years ago to do this solo ritual in the middle of the desert and all the synchronicities lined up for me to do this particular ritual in New Mexico, in Taos. And I've never been to New Mexico. I've never driven there by myself. I've, I've never done anything like that. Yet the message was very clear. My guides, you know, as a, as a channel, I received it clearly. So I, I flow with these things, even though it's wild. Even my inner circle of fellow witches and friends were like, this is a little wild. It was, it was a little wild. And yet I, I went with it. I, the ritual came through me and I, I planned it and I thought I knew what was coming. I had all the materials together. I had this amazing Airbnb in Taos. And so I arrive and I have what I think is the plan for the ritual. And it was a very big ritual that would take us, you know, it was going to be a, probably a 24 hour ritual. I did this totally solo with my sisters. Um, I'm a part of a, a group of friendship where we call ourselves sisters. They were very tethered to me. So we were connected. So I was safe. And this ritual was going to be done sky clad. It was 14 acres. It was private. It was, you know, all the things. Right. And so yeah. I'm prepared to go sky clad. So as I step outside, I've arrived. I've had my ritual cleanse. My altar inside is set up. You have to just see this vision, right? It's about to be, the sun is starting to set inside of this entire windowed house. You can see the big platforms and tables set up with candles and all the rituals and the post-ritual creation of art that would take place. Like everything is, all the candles are lit. Everything is set. I step outside to light the outdoor fire and I'm sky clad (laughs) and whoosh, all the doors slammed closed. (gasps) And I got locked out, huh? naked, naked, oh, <laughs> naked, no. naked. <laughs> no phone, no keys, like nothing. I I had this little flimsy, like sheer little robe thingy, but it's, you can't count it as clothes. And then over by where I had parked, my combat boots were there because of unloading because there was some mud. So I had combat boots to put on. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what proceeded? and. For those of you that do rituals or have participated in high magic, you know that once you're in it, you are already in an altered state. So I was already in an altered state when this happened. So I knew that my mind was not necessarily processing it clearly yet. I was surrendered. So I trusted. I knew I would be safe. And I had maybe a few moments of when I saw the sun start to set, realizing how far I had to walk and that I was naked. Like all of this kind of came through me and I'm like, okay, okay. I ended up getting picked up on the side of the road, miles down the road, <laughs> this crazy story. And when this individual picked me up and you know was assisting me to find my way back into the house, I realized I was in the ritual. Like everything I had planned still took place later. 
the journey, the trek to go get help, the way that the land was set up. All of these things were so set up for me and I knew that I was in the ritual. And at that point, I mean, I'm, I'm still naked and I'm still in somebody's truck being driven around trying to get in. It was the wildest, crazy experience. And when I knew I was in the ritual, then everything started to make sense. And because I was already in that altered state, I surrendered to it. And so the entire trek, the journey, the conclusion, Everything that happened was three days. It turned out to be three days of the most magical experience of my life and mortification too, let's be real. Like I was mortified that this happened that way. In reflection, when I returned home and sat down with some very, very, very gifted psychics, healers, seers, I mean, I didn't really talk to anybody about what had happened until I was home and we could actually process it. Immediately, almost collectively at the same time, they said, ah, that was the Eleusinian trek. And I'm, especially the length of the land, how long the ritual oh. was. And, and so in that, the moment that that came into my body, I started to write out what I received. And, and I knew that that was, um, I'd always been really connected with Persephone and Demeter as well. So none of that was a surprise to me and it all made sense. So I knew then that I had received the Eleusinian rites in that moment. And when you, if you've done the research, you know a lot of what takes place during that journey. Now you know what happened to me when I was locked outside of my house. Well, that's an immense amount of vulnerability you had to cope mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. I am not afraid of pushing edges. I'm, I would say that I'm most comfortable on the edge and it's a matter of being surrendered to knowing that oh. you, when you need to know, right? Yeah. Like I sit in that, what I call liminal space of the edge often in life, especially the way that I run my business and the amount of people that I work with in mystery school, that space is very comfortable for me, which just means I'm willing to go places that a lot of people aren't, which is okay. But that also means I'm willing to go there for you. And so that that allows me to open doors and clear blockages that some humans may not be able to do on their own. I have been told and, and called the words shamana often in that way. And I more think of it like a shadow walker, meaning I'm willing to push that edge because I know what's possible on the other side. But surrender is, <laughs> it's a word in my vocabulary that I would say is common for me. Wow. Surrender. Yeah. If you could bottle that, that would help because I have to admit, I'm not so good at surrender. It's really interesting that you're talking about high magic and the magic that I've done is I've heard it called low magic or chaos magic. And for example, I was asking this woman and she was telling me how to work with Hecate or some people say Hecate and, oh, you have to be outside. It has to be a wild place and it has to be in the dark and it has to be in a, and I didn't want to go out in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so you, here you were naked. I don't even want to go out in the dark in my backyard. <laughs> there's coyotes and bobcats back there. And I live in the suburbs, but there's a wild space behind me. So I thought, I'm just going to do it during the day. And I don't care. And if she doesn't want to talk to me, fine. But don't you think that that is a level of surrender for you? You surrendered to what felt comfortable and right in your own body. Isn't that oh, surrendering to truth? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for pointing that out. Anyway, she did talk to me. I heard the answer I needed. It took 10 minutes and mm -hmm. I was very grateful. So I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. I think you did surrender. And I also think that dogma never replaces our own inner knowing. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, it's really funny. I just don't do much spell work, but I tried an actual spell and I had dreams that night and that were very crazy. And when I woke up from the dream, I was being told, how could you do that? Lower yourself to do that kind of magic. I was being chided. 
I would never do that again because the chiding I got, she said, those were your ancestors who were unappreciative of the low kind low magic you were doing. <laughs> you know, I, I say the best tool we learn with is experience, <laughs> right? I mean, it's the same thing as learning how to do. I use the example of learning how to do a push-up. It doesn't matter how much you read it on a piece of paper or a book or go watch YouTube videos on how to do a push-up until you actually get your body on the floor and do the push-up and realize how hard it actually can be to do a push-up. You don't know. You don't know. And so trial and error is the best way. Excellent point. So tell me about the tenets of Celtic mystery. Yes, I studied as a Celtic priestess, did walked the 13 steps and initiated as a Celtic priestess. I actually did this particular uh, mystery school with my daughter, which was really beautiful for us to do it together. And it was an honoring for me of my lineage because most of us have, you know, we're a hodgepodge of lineage at this point in the human evolution. It's not easy for us in, in most cases in the United States for us to have this like direct lineage to, oh, I only come from Italy. Like my entire bloodline is Italian or my entire bloodline is Scottish or in some case, some people can, but the majority yeah. of us can't. And so mm-hmm. there is a big part of my family that comes from Wales and Ireland ah. on both of my parents' side. And so there's was this interest for me to study and deepen into my roots. And I definitely was very guided by my great grandmother who, came over on this sister ship to the Titanic. Um, in fact, she had a ticket to the t- on the for the Titanic and she missed the boat. I like guess it's this crazy story. And she she landed in Ellis Island, obviously, you know, on the sister ship, which was however long later. And I really felt guided to research what her life would have been like, like what would the mysteries have looked like there? So it was it was really beautiful. I, I would say that a lot of the practices that come out in mystery school for particular individuals are very tied to the Celtic mysteries. Because for me, if you come into a mystery school that's only one lineage or can honor only one path, then we, we're, we're really unable to help as many people as possible. And for me, I want to support as many people as possible on their journey. So it it almost just added in another layer of my own knowledge to be able to gear the teachings towards what an individual can relate to. Oh, nice. Because it's different, right? The Celtic mysteries are different than the path I've walked as a high priestess or the Eleusinian rites or being a shadow walker. They're, They're different. They're different energies. When I went to Ireland with my husband about five years ago, it was just hard to leave. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. And I don't have um, an iota of Irish in me, but my spirit feels really that you know of that, that I know, you know of. of maybe a past life or a, a past oh, life of an ancestor. Like, I, I feel life. like <laughs> I, f- I feel like we're called to lands that are very specific to our soul. And it's interesting because it's so different for all humans, like where they feel the most connected to the earth. Yeah is different and who knows what part of your lineage was activated when you were there. And and I truly believe that your spirit, if it felt that way there, (laughs) it's because it's been there before. Oh, for sure. Tell me about the temple keeper piece of what you do. In terms of my role in, because it's funny, Temple Keeper, I have two Temple Keepers. So I consider myself the Temple Keeper of the Moon Temple Mystery School, meaning that I'm just the joiner of people together to come to learn. And so there are sometimes other classes or other teachers or other paths that can come through the Mystery School that serves what people need. And so I just see myself as the individual that oversees the bringing of the people together. So to me, that's the Temple Keeper. And also I was initiated into the Warrior Council. So for me, it's also my my warrior spirit desires to keep those in the mysteries going through mystery school 
very protected. And so the temple keeper role for me specifically is also protection, the way that I bring protection into the work that we're doing. And then I, I have a temple keepers class, which is where those that desire to go deeper, practice divination, meet monthly. It's like the witch's mastermind. And a lot of them in the temple keepers have offerings that they're going to eventually bring into mystery school. And I, I'm just an open book in what's possible for us to do together always. So there's there's two of those. But as as a temple keeper, I, I know that it's my duty to teach others what it means to be a temple keeper so they can you know steward and shepherd their own teachings. So interesting. So how do you think about that warrior part of you and how the divine feminine is rising at this time? Such a good question. I'm really glad you asked this question. Oh, good. (laughs) It may seem in polarity to a lot of people too. I definitely embrace my femininity. I'm, I feel very close to the divine feminine. In fact, I would say that that part of me that flows and receives is a big piece of how I work in mystery school. And I also teach Krav Maga, so I teach self-defense. I am a spirit warrior. I, as a shadow walker, it's that edge again, right? If you think about that edge, where does the edge live for me in terms of the polarity of masculine and feminine energies? I say for me, it goes hand in hand. I am probably stronger in a higher percentage of masculine warrior strength than I am in like the divine feminine. If there was a percentage of my natural state, it would be heavier in the warrior side mm. and because everybody's different, right? Our natural, sure. what we're born into in those percentages are very different. For me, it is it is an outlet to be warrior, to teach, to to do physical, very you know strong physical activities, which allows more space for my feminine to have room to, to flow. And I'm a fire sign. So like, I'm like, everything is fire. I have, I think I have no, I have no earth in my chart. I have one water and one air. Like I am literally all fire. So that's how it chooses to express itself in this human body. It's so fascinating to me that I've had many teachers over the years and even in your community that want to see me more in my feminine This is what we see in women, right? We ask women to be more feminine or to be more in their emotions. And I think that we all sit at that natural state so differently that with the rise of the divine feminine, we will see more warriors come online because a lot of women suppress it to meet what they believe a good woman is. They suppress their sacred rage. They suppress their interest and ability to protect those that they love. They they suppress it because that's not necessarily, you know, how women you know are told to be. And so I, I actually feel like the divine feminine will awaken more warriors because how you classify warrior from person to person is going to be different. You may be a warrior for very particular values and concepts that still makes you a warrior. You may not do what I do, which is teach people how to defend themselves physically but you know what you warrior for even the rise of the divine feminine we are warrioring for that now we are all bringing that forward i think that's really interesting because i would say in the last six months i've done a number of readings for people where spirit has told them you need to put down your shield and your sword Mm. so that's partly why i was asking the question and they're not bad. They're battling. I mean, not really with a shield and sword, but they're mm-hmm. they're plugging away at some things with very masculine energy. One woman is a litigator attorney in court, mm-hmm. and she's constantly ha- doing these ridiculous battles. She tells me these stories, and you're like, 
how can that happen in a courtroom? You know, but the guidance that I got for her was you need to put that sword and shield down because you would be better off learning to deflect than because every time you go to match them with strength, you lose. It's not working for you. So I think that's really interesting that you're saying you feel like there'll be more warrior energy and there's probably room for everything. Like, I'm not saying no at all. I'm sure there's room for everything. And like you said, there's so many different kinds of warring going on. But like, I just did this woman reading for this woman who's battling with this man who she has a house with. And, you know, it was really interesting because ultimately she's got a soul contract, but this guy is here to teach her to stop. Like he will battle till the end. And she's like, well, why won't he leave? I'm like, he's here to battle with you until you go, no, I don't want to do this anymore. You have to wake up and stop battling. So when I saw her past lives, she was a samurai. (laughs) She was Mm -hmm. was in in Spain with swords. She loves sword fights. She loves the sound of sword fights. It was fascinating to me, but she was definitely being told you're ready for something else and you're ready to step up to a more feminine approach, which has nothing to do with lipstick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I sometimes think I love what you're saying and that I've given many of those similar readings, especially if you're working with very alpha successful women, that message often comes up. I sometimes think it's just about what we're battling for, right? We battle Mm -hmm. for others or against others or for part of our career, as opposed to battling for our own self. Right? Like if we were to move the warrior energy to battling for our own peace, for our own sovereignty, for the amount of love that we want to experience, like what if we, what if the warrior wants to only be there for you to experience the fullness of life? That means creating opportunity, right? For yourself. I think it's just the direction at which you take that battle. That makes so much sense to me. That's a totally different thing because this last woman I was talking about, if she battled for herself, she would be better off because she's still trying to conquer and win. And that is not working for her. Mm -hmm. If she would just focus on herself rather than battling against somebody else, you're absolutely right. So that's another way of using that language. Mm -hmm. I also think it's a definition of what is when when you're a powerful woman in any sort of situation where you're up against someone else, could be another woman, another man, and you feel that you are, you know, fighting. I mean, what does win look like? And oftentimes if we truly explore the depths of what our soul defines a win to be in any aspect of our life, relationships, careers, you know, things we desire, what, I mean, if we really can understand what win feels like in our body, then the entire game changes. Because most of the time, there's a much quicker path to get there than to battle with someone else to get there. I love that. That was beautiful. I think that's a great way of looking at it. I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. What else do you want to just leave the listeners with? Let's talk about one more juicy thing. I want to talk about how you can fully embrace what your spiritual gifts feel like in your body. Excellent. It's probably the most common question I get, especially on you know social media and in my communities is how do I know what my gifts are and how do I know that they're real <laughs> and that I'm not just like using my imagination to make it up. We live at a time where we're just learning to become reconnected to our bodies. So many women are disconnected from their bodies. And if I was to tell you that 200 years ago, before cell phones, our bodies were the cell phone. 
we wanted to know the weather or what's happening on the other side of our tribe, we would use our instincts. Our bodies would tell us what we needed to know. All of that information is like stored in our bodies. And I feel like it's like a, it's like pressing the buttons to like turn something on is to me what it means to tap into your spiritual gifts is just, just remember that your body has so much to give you and you don't have to fit in the box of clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient your combination of how your secret sauce of receiving information can't fit in a box, don't fit in a box, but learning how to listen to your body. So I'll ask you, Ronnie, like, how do you teach people to start getting more in touch with what their body tells them? That's a really good question. I would say you have to get quiet and listen Mm -hmm. and you have to pay attention because if you're not paying attention, you'll definitely miss important clues and information that's coming to you. And if you're asking, then you really want to make sure you pay attention because there's no point asking if you're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. That's that's one way I look at it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think the hardest part for many people is learning how to listen. Like I call it receiving, like mm-hmm. being yeah. open to receiving definitely takes being in the quiet, right? Eliminating external noise. And also it, you know, it applies in your human life. So if people are listening and they're like, oh, I they're listening to the show and they're like, I don't even know what you mean by receiving because that comes up often. I say, start with in your human existence. How do you receive compliments, support? Like how, how do you respond? Do you give your body permission to say, oh, thank you. Like I receive that. We don't do that very often, but it is a, it's a stepping stone to receiving from the spirit world. Yeah. And yeah. it's not always, it's not always easy. I like that you said, ask, right. And then be open for the information to come. I often recommend one of the best ways to start for people who are really learning what does a spiritual gift mean, like even if they just use the word intuition. I I do a lot of corporate work with large organizations and we use words more like intuition, right, in certain environments. But to really be able to get to the heart of what's going on in your energy field is journaling really is the best practice because you have the ability to ask a question and let yourself free write. And it's so funny because like clockwork, this formula works every single time. Like clockwork, if you do this exercise for 21 days of asking a question and free riding, most people, it takes five to seven days to get their grocery lists, their to-do lists out. Their their journals are like all the things like in their mind, right? But I forgot to wash the, the, the sheets yesterday. I got to get that done. And oh, my, my mother-in-law is coming next week. What am I going to feed her? Like all these things come out first, but then like magic, it happens that once we empty out the noise and we keep in this process of journaling and free writing and journaling and free writing, asking the same question for 21 days, by the end of that 21 days, And if you, even if you don't read it, like come back to it after 21 days, you'll start to see between five and 10 days, it's not you that is necessarily writing in the free writing. Like you are, you are receiving messages from spirit and you're creating this safe space Mm -hmm. for your body to receive and you're recording it because that's, that's the number one way to overcome fear and doubt that your spiritual gifts are real is recorded. You can write it, you can video it. I mean, voice recorded, like document what you're experiencing in some way, shape or form. But I I will tell you that that free writing experience for 21 days, asking the same question, 100% of the time works. I have learned not to read it right away. Yeah. Even now I've been doing this stuff for more than 30 years. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how your brain will just jump in and go, that's a bunch of crap. That's not true. I don't feel that. uh, But if I wait and read it a few hours later, or even in the next day or two, then I can go, Oh, that's really good. That's got some wisdom there. I needed to hear that. Like, it's so funny. The editor inside just 
negates sometimes whatever it is. So I think it's good to let it rest a little, give mm. yourself some space from it so that you are ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I totally agree. I also am a tech witch too, which means I utilize technology to its maximum capacity, even though my journal is all handwritten. I put calendar entries in my phone on when to go back and look at something that came through me in a journal about it. You forget it. It is always wild to go back and see what came out of me. Sometimes it makes me a little like, woo. <laughs> even for me, I, <laughs> I I always say my one of my most common mantras is I'm open to always being amazed. I don't ever want this magical life I live to stop amazing me. I say that often, which means I still amaze myself. I look back, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. But if I would have read it that day, I would not get the whoa. I get the whoa because I close it. I forget about it. It and I consciously choose to put a date in my calendar when to go look back at it. So I think that that's always a powerful thing. It, it's usually very, it's usually very amazing at what you've created. This has been an amazing conversation. It was so fun talking to you. I know you have a free gift for the listeners. Taverly, why don't you tell us what that is? Anyone that wants to taste a little bit of what is possible when you're working in the magical fields, I have a, a class that meets once a month. It's so fun. It is hands-on practical tools called the Witch's Apprentice, and I'm offering 50% off. And so the code is Ronnie50, and you can jump right into the program. And what I really like about teaching um, the Witch's Apprentice is that it's it's simple, basic things that you can bring into your human world right now today. Because if we can't bring it back into our human existence and, and see amazing results right away, then to me, it's pointless. So it's the real practical way of mm. any path, any honoring to bring in magic into your life. Well, that's the magic for me. What can I do with it? How can mm -hmm. I use it? Mm -hmm. How will it help me move forward? And to me, that's the most important thing about all magic is how can I improve myself, move forward, get what I want. Let's use it rather than just learn about it. So that's wonderful. Exactly. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. me. It was so <laughs> much fun. So I really good. appreciate it. So good. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode and share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic. Bye.